I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Today on Pop It, we're on site at Worcester's brand new brewery, Redemption Rock Brewing Company, with CEO Danny Babineau and head brewer Greg Carlson. We're talking B Corps, beer, and economic development. It's very exciting. I know. And we're <laughs> also joined by Unity Mike once yes. again. Taking our picks. Yeah, he's been a tremendous contributor of content, which I think is yes. important with a podcast. I agree. We're very thankful you know, to have these pictures. They're gorgeous, too. They are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I picked up his camera. Thank you for letting me do that. I feel like that's when, like, a chef lets you pick up their knife. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> but it was so heavy. It probably weighed 15 pounds. Or really? Something. Yeah. Good dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I just wanted to check in about Mass Foodies. We yes. have some very fancy new recording equipment that gives us a lot of flexibility. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So we're here today at the brewery, which is unique. We were right. used to depending on a radio studio, and now we can, like, go to our guests. Which is really experiences. fun. Yeah. So can the two of you introduce yourselves and kind of give us the concept behind Redemption Rock Brewing? Sure. So my name is Danny Babineau, and I'm the basically CEO, CFO, kind of everything that doesn't fall into one of the buckets that one of the, the guys are doing. So yeah, my background was architecture. I grew up in Fitchburg and then Princeton, went to Northeastern for architecture, and then basically burned out on doing that and tried to figure out what the hell I was going to do next. And at that time, we've been super into beer, volunteering at Beer Fest, and um, I got really interested in business. Ended up going back to school to get my MBA at Babson. Uh, basically, at the same time, we were like, all right, well, if I'm going to do that, we're going to start a brewery, and that's what we're going to do. And I, yeah, I was saying, I don't really remember ever deciding to do it in Worcester because it was always just, we're doing a brewery in Worcester. This is my parents still live out here, so we come out here and go to, like, Wormtown and Armsby, and that was a, it, uh, like, six years ago. So, and now everything's really, really cool, and we get to be a part of it. Yeah, hey, I'm Greg uh, uh, Carlson. I'm the the head uh, brewer here. Yeah, we. Uh, my my story is basically when we were uh, kind of early on in our relationship, we started home brewing, and it kind of became obvious that this is what we're going to do for the rest of our lives, so we decided to just kind of cement that and uh, build, build this, this guy out. Yeah, one of my favorite things, actually, I don't know why that reminded me of it, but we were going to dinner with, like, your family to celebrate your little brother's engagement, and I think it was at the time that we, I was, like, graduating school, and I was like, okay, so we're, we're like, really going on in the brewery thing, and I think your, somebody was like, I thought that was just, like, like a thing you were talking about doing. I didn't think you were actually doing that. We're like, no. Oh, that's real? Yeah, no, like, we're actually doing that. Like, we're going to look at locations. Like, that's, like, a thing, yeah. It's never felt more real, too. I came in here in November to yeah. just do a walk through the space, and there were all these paintings of horses and dogs on the walls. <laughs> yeah. So this space, uh, the business that was in here be- before us, it was called uh, uh, Dog on You. And it was literally just, uh, it, was a, it was a school to train uh, uh, veterinarians how to massage dogs and, and, and horses. Which is uh, apparently, uh, I don't uh, think it was just veterinarians yeah, either. Uh, maybe not. Well, <laughs> I think uh, it was just people trainers. who like really wanted to give their dog like a yeah. nice time. Horse <laughs> trainers and then people that just really like their dogs. Yeah. Well, it's gorgeous now. It the aesthetic, is. it has a feminine touch, which Danny, yeah. I have to attribute to you. Yeah, it was. I mean, 
So it took us a really long time to find the space and to then get financing. And so I spent a lot of that time indulging my design side and designing the space out, um, which ended up working out great. But yeah, it was really important. Even I remember sitting back and like looking at like I put together like mood boards with the guys and we were on our TV, like looking at mood boards and trying to figure out what we wanted for an aesthetic. And we found that a lot of brewery tap rooms were more falling into either super industrial, like feeling like a factory or more just like kind of like English pub style. And so we wanted to do something that was a little bit different from that. Um, so our initial like idea was uh, kind of a Scandinavian farmhouse. So lots of wood, lots of white, lots of um, natural materials. And then we just kind of leaned into the art side of that. Um, we got the, our beautiful mural from Marco 27. We also did, uh, we have a big wallpaper wall that that was, it. I can almost tell you where every single thing, where I got the idea from it and then where I bought it. It's absolutely on, on a spreadsheet somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, but um, we went to a, a right proper in DC and their entry area had this really beautiful, rich wallpaper. So that was like, I want to do something like that. And then the tile wall behind the bar, I actually, there was a cafe on the cover of like, I think I think it was Barista Magazine, but it was some coffee magazine. And they did a really cool um, tile wall that looked like mountains. And I was like, I want to do something like that rather than just like a subway tile wall. I do quilting. And I was in the middle of a big quilting project a couple of years ago. And Kevin, who at the time was our roommate, Kevin's now our GM, um, was like, you should do like a quilting pattern on the wall. So it's, I pick some, it's a rail fence pattern. So it's really simple, but it's something a little bit more than just like just going across with tile. I, I can see it Yeah, now. absolutely. Yeah. It's really neat. Well, I was looking at some of the data just from the Brewers Association and the rapid growth of craft breweries. I saw 2017, it looks like the number of operating breweries grew 16%. 997 new breweries in 2017, only 165 closed. It's moving in a positive direction. What makes you think there's room for another brewery in Worcester? Because five in a city of 180,000 is not a lot at all. Yeah, uh, Worcester is like a severely uh, underserved uh, market when it comes to uh, uh, breweries, which works out great for us. If we were in like like uh, Oregon or something, this would probably be a foolish idea unless we had something really, really like extreme to uh, differentiate ourselves. Yeah. And, and like I could talk for like an hour about like all the reasons why like you will see like basically you will see continued growth in craft beer and closings will go up too because it's not that the market's getting saturated. It's just it's becoming more competitive. And so you're going to see people who aren't doing, you know, between running a business, running a tap room, making beer, like anybody who's not doing all those things well those are the people that are, are going to struggle. So we've tried to put ourselves in a position where we're making sure we're paying attention and differentiating as much as possible. But, and, and granted, yeah, there's five, we'll be the fifth in Worcester. There is a lot more in the surrounding region, but I mean, the city can definitely support five, five breweries. I was just in, um, you said uh, Oregon is a good example of where it's a lot more competitive and is a lot more mature market. But um, I was just in even Asheville, North Carolina for a bachelorette party. And that city is 80,000 people. And someone told me there's like over 70 breweries there. And there's one neighborhood that we were walking around and we must have gone to at least eight breweries in one night. And we missed a bunch of ones that we were just like, I don't really care. But like one block neighborhood, like the size of the Canal District. And there was probably a dozen breweries. Oh, amazing. That is yeah, amazing. My mind has quickly flipped when it comes to hospitality and economic development. The Chamber of Commerce from the city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, brought me up for a visit a few weeks back, and they said they have more seats in their restaurants than they have residents. 
It's crazy. Yeah, I could not believe it. But I suppose if you make yourself a destination for dining, for brewing, Mm -hmm. you know, you can attract people from the whole region. And essentially, too, I mean... ultimately people who live here and and are the ones who benefits because it just becomes competitive. And so if you are going to survive as a business, you just need to be better. And so people then who are going out are, you know, you have more good options to choose from. And Whistler has so much going on right now, but like, there's still like, like my cousin was here um, this weekend and he's like, you know, where should we go for lunch? I ended up sending them to Xinjiang and they were like, they were blown away, but there's still like, you know, a dozen places maybe that I can name off the top of my head. Whereas if you're in a denser city, it's like, just go over there and you'll find something. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I like, there's enough place. And the thing too with Whistler, which is something that I love is if I go out now, I'm going to see people I know, um, which is cool, but it's also an indicator that like, there's still, we could still use more cool places, like to spread people out a little bit more. We've talked about that a little bit where like this city is so big. And so like, where are the people we don't know? You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. How do we get them? them 200 people over and over. And I go, oh my God, we all go to the same places. But like, there are 180,000 other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Where yeah. are they? And there's so. a reason that we go to those places because yeah. they are great, but it's also like, right. Where where are other people going? And, also, and like, how do you get, or are those people just not going out? Or like, right. what's going on there and figuring that out? Like, we were, we were, we all, when we were like deep in construction here right around Christmas, we were like, we're not gonna, we wanted to go to Birch Street for pizza night, and we were like, we're not gonna do that because we look like hell and we don't want to run into people we know covered, covered in, in paint and plaster. Yeah, yeah we're and like, just like just yeah, like let's not do that. <laughs> I think about that for like us too, like for our show, we're a local show and we want to reach Worcester and the Worcester area. And so it's funny because every time we get like a new follower or something like that, and it's like someone that like we have no connection to, I'm always like, hey, oh, yes. I don't know. Cool. Them. Like, yeah, I love walking into an event and going, oh my God, I don't know anyone here. Yeah. Where did yeah. all these people come from? Yeah. I love that feeling. Yeah. Yep. In terms of social media, what is your strategy? You guys have made an imprint already and you haven't even opened the doors yet. <laughs> my uh, uh, brother, uh, Dan, he's the, the head of, uh, of uh, marketing. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> they like to say they're not, but Danny, have you ever confused them? No. Uh, we we make a little bit of an effort to try and look a little different. His hair is usually shorter than mine. His beard is usually shorter than mine. I thought it was funny. My aunt came in hot the other day. Came around the corner into the brewery to like say congratulations to Greg and like gave Dan a big hug and a kiss. And I'm just like, that's not Greg. It's not Greg. <laughs> he probably just goes along with that at this point. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I. I always think of like the Olsen twins where they're not identical. They're fraternal twins. But if you, I guess I know to the, to like the naked eye or to people who are not like crazy people like me (laughs) who like take the Buzzfeed quiz. That's like, can you tell the difference to Mary Kate Ashley? And I'll get like 10 out of 11. I like, that's a good example. We'll just tell people you're like the Olsen twins. then. That's right. They are, they look so much alike, but they are not exactly identical. It's so interesting. That they did where their last name was actually uh, uh, Carlson. Really? Yes. Oh, um, so little time. <laughs> I love the Olsen twins. <laughs> so your social media strategy rivals that of the Olsen twins. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's where we, that's how we, that's where we ended up, right? Copy and paste. Yeah. Um, I would say. So to act, on the uh, do you want uh, to uh, uh, DL, we will be a little, a little bunch of fashion line in the next. Yeah. Couple of years. So, <laughs> high end fashion line. <laughs> 
Um, our, our, our little uh, 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 brother's going to be a brewer in a couple yeah. years. Just take up the, the yeah. All the, the Dan's going to listen business. to this and be like, "You guys aren't talking about the social media strategy at all." Well, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of trying to like downplay because I don't actually no, know I what it is. I just know Dan's hand, handling it, and uh, he, he's been a marketing professional for the better part of a, a decade now. So he knows what he's doing. I think we just want to have. I think a lot of it is just have enough good engagement content and keep rolling it out at a reasonable time and keep people excited, give them little uh, nuggets of information as we've been uh, building out every time we hit a milestone, make a big push. I think one of the things too, because um, Hank Souls had asked me about that when I did his uh, the TV show. And one, I mean, I think one of the things that helped us in the beginning was that we basically wouldn't talk to anybody until we had closed on our loan because we didn't want to a, that took a lot longer than we thought. So if we, when we thought we were good, if we'd said stuff, then we didn't want to be like for, you know, two years being like, hey, we're opening soon, we're opening soon. So we we, we made you wait. Oh, uh, Peter but- Dunn, he was torturing me. He kept <laughs> saying, I have a project that is so cool. It's right up your alley and I can't uh, wait to okay. tell you about it, but I can't tell you what it is. Um, yeah, and then we had the mural going on and Shay was in here. Shay Anderson was in here taking pictures and like teasing people on Instagram. Everyone's like, like where is going that? On? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even I, like I had like a couple of like, Dan, just let me, let's just do it. Like we have to do it now. And he's like, no, no. Um, so like we basically had like six people who we, we immediately emailed and were like, hey, we're ready to talk. Um, I did four interviews in one day, I think the day that I did the walkthrough with you. Um, and then the other thing I think, yeah, it's really easy, especially during the build out to get super busy and not follow up and not constantly be putting out new content. So we've tried to stay on top of that and constantly be putting pictures up and, and doing that, um, and getting some decent content. So I think just being consistent. Well, when we come back, we're going to ask you about the most important thing, the beer. Yes. Absolutely. We should go get Sure, yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks. We'll be right back. Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to massfoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's massfoodies.com. Welcome back to Pop It. I'm Molly. And I'm Sarah. And this is the podcast for popping questions. <laughs> popping bottles. And pop culture. Today is really a popping bottles day. We're here with Dan yes. Babineau and Greg Carlson from Redemption Rock Brewing. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to not move the camera around so much either. <laughs> and Unity Mike is here as well to capture the uh, the brand new brand. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're not giving you a sneak peek yet of the brewery. You'll have to come out on Saturday to take a look at the gorgeous aesthetic. Yes. Can you guys tell us about what you have planned for Saturday? Sure. Yeah. So we have – we're going to be open um, – 12 to 10 and we have joy rochelle marietta is going to be performing from 12 to 3 um, which will be really fun and then um asylum popovers is going to be in um they're going to be doing some savory dinner popovers which i'm super excited about because i keep see i keep seeing their events and i haven't made it to a lot of just because we've been so busy that we've basically either been here working or sleeping so we haven't made it to much of their stuff yet so i'm so excited to try their dinner popovers 
And then we are also going to be doing um, some live screen printing, which I don't remember if I told you guys about uh, the other day, but we have basically our graphic designer, who's a friend of ours, did this awesome illustration, um, and part of it made it onto our Crowler uh, labels, and it works really well for a poster. So I was looking up trying to get some posters screen printed, and I reached out to this company um, around Boston, and the guy who owns it actually grew up in Lemonster and grew up like going and biking and stuff at Redemption Rock, the actual rock. So he was super excited. So we're going to be, he's going to be actually printing the posters on site so people can watch him do the whole process and then buy a poster. So before we get into the beer, let's talk about Redemption Rock. Are you uh, privy to the the Mary Rallinson legend? Do you want to share that with us? Sure. <laughs> yes. And actually, I think Dan, yeah. uh, our marketing guy, has actually read some of her book, her memoir. Basically, the background on it was during King Philip's War, back when this area was like the Wild West of the New World. She was a colonist in um, Lancaster, I believe, and she was... Um, basically abducted during a raid with her kids and she ended up being with the Native Americans for, I think just under a year, I think it was nine or 10 months. And she was ultimately, her ransom was negotiated and she was returned at this giant granite rock, which then was named Redemption Rock. And so if you go out there, there's an engraving on it that kind of tells the story of it. And it actually interesting. So, uh, George Frisbee Hoare, his like ancestor, there's a statue of him um, in front of City Hall, and his ancestor was actually involved in getting her released because no I was doing a bunch. And his like grandson actually works at or great grandson works at Cambridge Brewing Company, which is where yeah. Kevin, our GM, used to work. So we're like, we have to get a beer out of this. Yeah, extremely, extremely small, small world. Yeah, I do remember too that she was traded in exchange for bottles of whiskey. Yes, oh. yes. We should yeah. have opened a distillery this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. Yeah. And, she, and then, yeah, so then she ended up, after she was released, she wrote a memoir about her time, and it was the first bestseller in the new world. So I think there was like 100 copies. By a woman. Yeah. By a woman, yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So I think it's unique that you are the CEO as a woman of a brewery, and I know you're a B Corp on top of that. Can you tell us what that means? Sure. So um, there's kind of two facets to it. Part of it is the incorporation status, which I usually go, it's a benefit corporation. So it's an actual incorporation status in Massachusetts. What that side is, is um, that we need to have an independent benefit director, which we have a friend who's on our board in that role who works at an environmental consultancy. And then we need to have some sort of benefit baked into our mission as a company. Um, so when you file your organization papers to benefit the world in some way so we can keep it vague and then do whatever we want within that. And then um, we have to file every year a third-party report saying that we're actually doing the things we're saying. What was it like to do blind hiring? So that actually was freaking awesome. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was uh, so, uh, something else. Yeah, and it was it was definitely more work, but I mean, we ended up. It was really interesting, a really fun process. And it worked out really well. And we ended up with people who are awesome. Um, so we're really excited. We hired two full-time and one part-time out of that process, all three of which are women. We talked a little bit about it, but for people that aren't familiar with it, it was popularized. It's basically a methodology of like taking out, you know, people's gender, age, ethnicity. Names, right? Names. Yeah, completely. Because names like, you know, you can get gender out of it. You yeah. can get ethnicity if people have more ethnic names. Freakonomics. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a... a, a a weird thing because you you want to uh, it's, it's a way of trying to hire people more more uh, fair, uh, like uh, uh, fairly yeah. 
and but to do that, you have to start by reducing everyone to to, to a number, which is kind of like a weird feeling <laughs> when you're going through the process. And yeah, we're like we give everybody a you're not a person. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But how do we feel about number yeah. nineteen? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, because that was to be a very yeah. humanizing process. But when you're actually go, going right, through it, it's just like, well, we got to get through this little kind of rocky patch first. Yeah, and it was started like I think it was started in like the classical music world because people said like, oh, women just weren't talented enough to get onto these orchestras, and so what they started doing was they would put people behind a curtain to audition, and like you couldn't wear heels or anything like that, and they actually increased the women on the orchestras immediately by twenty five percent. A lot of tech companies will use it, um, they'll use it more for like they'll give people actual tests to see if they can do the coding or whatever the job is and not go through it. So it, what we did, we got rid of resumes because I hate resumes. And so we just had, a, especially because it's it's an entry level job. Like people are working in the tap room. We want to promote people from within, but we wanted to gauge people not on their experience, but their their aptitude, their motivation, um, and, and their passion for beer and coffee and for what we were doing. So. We had people answer a series of eight questions that we spent a lot of time developing. We actually did it ourselves too. And I will say that the people who applied did better than we did because we reviewed ourselves and we were like, yeah, I don't know if I would hire us but yeah. <laughs> based on this. But uh, so we had 20, 28 people, I think, apply. Half were women. Uh, we narrowed it down to 14 and then interview, it ended up interviewing nine people in person, which is when we unblinded it. Because um, the middle round was like we did a chat on Skype. And uh, all nine people that we interviewed were women. Just completely, like, we looked at the list when we made the decision. We were like, okay, so all of these are women. So, like, nine out of, so that means, like, right. And then, it, oh, yeah, but out of 14, 14 yeah, like, nine out of 14 of the women who applied ended up making it to the interviews. High competence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And it was cool because, I mean, I go, I've gone to a lot of like craft brewers conference and people are always like, well, you know, women and minorities don't apply for brewery jobs or they don't have the qualifications to do it. And I mean, there's a lot of complicated, I mean, that happens in a lot of That's industries. That's a bit of a loaded yeah. thing. To do yeah. Thing. And but people are like, how do we get these people to apply? And so we did a bunch of research around like barriers to entry and trying to bring those down and also like removing that because it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like you need industry experience to get a job in a tap room, which A, isn't necessary. And B, how are you going to get that experience if you need experience to, yes. to get right. that job? I think about that constantly. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And there's no degree for like working in a tap room. So like, and it's yeah. so, and like you see people, like a lot of times if you go on job boards, even for tap room positions, it's like a list of qualifications. I'm like, that's not really necessary. So we just tried to find the best people um, to get into the job and then stick to our process, which was hard because we had some people who emailed us after like deadlines and we didn't want to break the process. Um, so, but yeah, it ended up working out really well and we're really happy with the people who ended up on the team. Yeah. And we'll keep doing that for going forward too. Yeah, and the the uh, idea is when when you do a blind, you see the results. You can go back and look at where you uh, mm -hmm. uh, started and see if there's any, anything you can change to kind of affect the results for the uh, yeah. uh, next round. Like, like mm -hmm. this time, yeah, yeah. Like what we did is we specifically designed the job uh, uh, posting to be gender uh, neutral, and that that worked out because it was literally fifty fifty men and, and and women that applied. We didn't do so great with my minority rep representation. So next time we hire, we want to go back to the job posting, see what our, our approach was for like language, uh, where the, the, the posting is, is, is putting it out and see if we can improve that for uh, next time. I think too, with a lot of the minority stuff too, is looking at where we're posting. I think mm -hmm. for like, we didn't do like great with like outreach and specifically trying to like reach out to certain populations where we mostly just posted like on our own social media and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think trying to figure out a strategy for getting like more diverse pool of applicants and figuring it out from there. 
it's awesome that you're very self-aware. And I think that that's something that millennials specifically have really zeroed in on. And I've noticed it even like outside of business, but like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for instance, like she is a congresswoman, but she's been very good about being really specific and saying like, I'm, this is a blind spot for me. Like how, where can I improve here? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's something that sort of generationally, we hear a lot about like call out culture and cancel culture. But I think one of the results of that, which is really nice is that people are just trying to be more proactive Mm -hmm. and be more careful about stuff like that and Mm -hmm. saying like, okay, like, sorry, where's my blind spot and how can I remedy that? Which is a positive kind of outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It's more, if you think about it, it's a more objective approach. It's a way more honest approach. It's more genuine. I think there's a lot more uh, integrity to it than, than anything else. Rather than, you know, kind of kind of the opposite would just be like, what I'm doing is is the best. And I'm going to focus on trying to convince everyone that I'm already doing the best uh, that, that, that I can. If we can improve, we want to improve, and this is how, how we're, we're going to try, try and do it. Absolutely. Well, now that we've had a chance to sample your beer, when we get yeah. back, we're going to talk through the three different beers you have on tap and also your coffee program. Yes. Absolutely. Welcome back to Pop It. I'm Molly. And I'm Sarah. This is a podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Today on Pop It, we are joined by Redemption Rock Brewing Company CEO Danny Babineau and head brewer Greg Carlson. I want to talk about the beer. It's good. Yeah, we should probably do that at some point. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that is actually, we talk about all the other things we do, the, the B Corp, the design of the taproom, but... Uh, the beer is kind of an important. Yeah, we, have, we, we do have beer, yeah. <laughs> so I am working on new brewery Hoodis, yeah. right? Uh, it's a golden ale. It's mm-hmm. very refreshing. Like it a- almost has like melon notes to it. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a little bit of Tars Bulba or something. Wow, that's so a <laughs> Can you tell me about what went into making this beer? Yeah, I can uh, tell you uh, everything. That- and that was our first beer we ever brewed too. The golden ale, yeah. So that was our, our uh, uh, pilot batch. It was like yeah, the first thing we, we ever brewed. I wanted to do something very, very simple, um, which is sort of par for the course with a, a brew. The first beer you want to do something that will kind of show you a lot of what the system's going to uh, uh, put out for, 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 for you. Something clean and also something kind of cheap. So if you have to dump it down the drain, you don't send a whole lot of money down with, with it. Uh, luckily, I, I, I did not, which is uh, good. The consultant that we work with, he's opened like 35, 40 breweries so far. He said he's never had to dump a a pilot bash down down the drain before. So I'm glad I was not the uh, first one. <laughs> Going to be a nice uh, light beer. That is sort of our light beer, the standard that we have. Well, for the opening, like we did this beer opening, specifically yeah. for the opening because our um, lineup for year round beers will not be, it will be a Kolsch, um, which mm-hmm. is a similarly nice light drinkable beer, but it takes a little bit longer to make because it's like a weird hybrid between like an ale and a lager. So you have to lager it, which basically mm-hmm. means cold, cold store it. Like lager literally is like a verb that means to store in German. Yeah. Cause that's what they discovered lager yeast oh. in Germany. Cause they would put lager. these beer in caves and like, it would be a, a literally a whole different type of yeast that worked in colder temperatures. Yeah. And yeah. So that's really the difference between ale and lager yeast is they ferment at uh, uh, colder temperatures and at top fermenting versus bottom fermenting. And I know there's exceptions to that and there's yeah, exceptions. It's, to uh, everything. I could go in, but it's actually, they, they both, uh, it's actually, I'll, 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 I'll just dive, dive right in. It's actually from, <laughs> yeah. by top fermenting, bottom fermenting, a better term would be top cropping, bottom cropping, because ales, 
are usually better, better, better to, if you want to basically harvest the, the yeast at some point during fermentation to uh, reuse for uh, f- like future beers, which is uh, very c- uh, common for ales. Or traditionally, you would just kind of scrape it off the top of the beer during for, uh, fermentation. Mm-hmm. Ales are uh, uh, lagers since you uh, they ferment colder and you store them colder. It's better to, tra- traditionally, they would wait for it to drop and then crop it off the uh, bottom. And then from like a customer perspective, lagers, lager yeast um, contribute very few flavors to the beer. So it ends up being like a very clean ferment. Whereas a lot of ale yeasts, uh, I mean, there are cleaner fermenting ale yeast, especially in the U.S., but a lot of like if you're having like something that has like a lot of banana flavors or or um, different esters and, and stuff, that's all coming from the yeast. So a Kolsch is actually fermented with an ale yeast, but then you cold store it. So the long story short is that we didn't think we would have the Kolsch ready for the grand opening. So we decided we were going to do a golden instead because it's an ale so that we could get it turned around a little faster. And we have the Kolsch is actually in uh, one of our fermenters right now. So we will have that kind of as soon as the golden kicks We'll have the Kolsch on, and we may even have them on at the same time. But people like the golden so far, so we may end up. I was going to say, it's a yeah. good first impression. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was the very, first sip I had, and yeah. I was like, ooh, so yeah. crisp. Elegant and, yes. yeah, crushable. And I think also, like, you don't have anything to hide behind with the simple exactly, beer. So yeah. it proves yeah. that yeah. you're the real deal. I to, to know exactly, like, what, you know, I, I had the, the recipe, the design. I had an idea for what, what kind of flavor I wanted what I wanted, you know, the statistical output of all the different specifications of the beer to be. And, uh, yeah, you just kind of wanted to get, get uh, used to that. And it was, it's basically very, very close to what I was uh, uh, thinking. So that was, that's good. It's a little higher ABV because we, our it efficiency is, yeah. was better than we expected it to be. So It was, it was also yeah. my, uh, it, it also ended up uh, finishing a lot drier and had a lot uh, lower gravity than I wanted to, so... Both those things gonna combine. This thing was like a whole percentage point of alcohol higher than I was expecting it to be. So to so. put things in perspective, you guys are a ten thousand barrel brew house. Is that right? Ten barrel. I mean, oh my god, wait a minute. Whoa, <laughs> ten barrel. Those are not the same number. No, no, no. I don't know if like anybody is a ten. No, to put it in perspective, Treehouse has a two hundred and forty barrel brew house. So, yeah, yes. Yeah, so. Even like Wormtown's a lot bigger than us. Yeah. yeah. So you have a little bit more flexibility to to play around with mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. And function on a small scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have you been playing around with? I know we've got an IPA here. We've got a stout. Oh uh, yeah, I've got, I've got the stout. Uh, since then, I also have a uh, hefeweizen, what, 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 what which will also be in our year-round core beer. Mm-hmm. I heard you say bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll bring that up. That's like the most like obvious yeast flavor that you get is hefeweizen flavors. Uh, I love yeah. that's what turned yeah. me on yeah. to craft beer was a hefeweizen. Yeah, yeah. I was a lot like, of I don't know what this is, but I love it. Beer. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. like my parents' favorite. Both of them like wheat beer, so I was like, we we have to have a year round wheat beer. Like that, like mm-hmm. my, I can't have my parents come in and not drink anything. <laughs> Although we didn't, we don't have it quite yet, but it should be kegged by this weekend. So that's why we're not drinking it right now. <laughs> so the War Castle IPA. How do you get its name? Uh, yeah. So did I tell you? I don't know if I told you that yet. Um, so I love that. I was actually we had the so the. Golden is new brewery who dis uh, because it's like basically a one off or maybe yeah. And then the Kolsch is going to be straight Kolsch homie for, for those local sports fans. And then um, the uh, Stout is Blackstone Stout. And then the half is going to be Edelstein, which is basically so the hops that are in it. You yeah, want to so go through that real quick? Because yes. the Warcastle War is my favorite. That's why I'm leaving it for last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Edelstein is German for, for gemstone. The three hops in it are Pearl, Opal, and Sapphire. 
Cool. Yeah. yeah so it's a little bit of a like, hoppier. Yeah, it's sort of like really modern cool. yeah. uh, German, uh, German hops. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're still kind of like flavor-wise in the same vein as like the traditional that's, normal that's German, German hops. But mm-hmm. just a, a little more, uh, yeah. uh, a little more ex- expressive, yeah. I, I would say. So. And then Are you messing around with blue blend powder at all? No, not yet. Where are you uh, getting your hops? Hops, hops. I'm getting from a bunch of places right now. I, I order them mostly from the uh, big, big ones, like uh, Yakima Chief Hops is probably the. I think they're the biggest provider of hops. Uh, Crosby Hop Farm is one that I use for some of some of my stuff. I like working with them a lot because they're also a uh, B Corp. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like one of them, and then. Uh, Lupulin Exchange is basically like an aftermarket brewery to a brewery, essentially like a hop marketplace. Yeah. So oh, one of the things is good. with hops and stuff is you can't really get hop contracts or do hop contracts until you have your brewery license. So as a startup and like hop contracts are a couple years out because you have to let those farms plan for what they need, what their demand is going to be. But you can't do that. So you have a license. So we're basically buying spot hops for a couple years um, yeah. and working with some of the distributors and stuff like that. And we definitely want to work with more local farms. We also have just been scrambling to just get beer made. So it's kind of been like what we can do. Yeah, that's like I, I basically just bought like a whole bunch of the hops I knew I needed for my first four beers and then like ever since I've been kind of scrambling to get like uh, like the spot hop orders in and especially the uh, uh, loop uh, loop exchange seeing like who has what actually even available right now yeah. it's been kind of yeah. a Especially the trendy process. hops, you kind of have to do that. A lot, a lot the, trendy hops. the trendy hops. That's so yeah. funny. That's I didn't realize that there's this like market. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, what is trendy? Would be like would like a citra be a trendy? Super trendy. Yeah. Super trendy. <laughs> like, is, uh, is Nelson trendy right now? Uh, Nelson's trendy. Galaxy is so trendy. It's possible to find. Yeah. Right yeah. Now, yeah. Until I'm next proud of myself. Crop. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. love Hill Farmstead, obviously. Yeah. Sean yeah. helped yeah. in all of these single hop beers. So then we learned about all of this. Yes, and their nuance, which I guess was the point. Which is really yeah. It's, yeah, it's, there are, we, we've got a, a single hop pale ale in, in, in the works. I'm actually brewing it tomorrow. Wow. It's called Good Hang, and yes. it's going to be a different hop every time. Well, and it's that. super low ABV, too, so it's, like, super crushable. That's yep. my jam. Yeah. I love a sessionable beer. <laughs> What's the ABV on Four. it? Four. Yep. I was saying, I thought it was a little under. That was yeah. my biggest bone to pick with Greed or Good at first. I went in there, and I went on a tour with JT, <laughs> kind of like I did with you before they opened. We were walking through, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to be able to drink one beer here, yeah. and then I'm going to be yeah. on the floor, yeah. you know? Yeah, me too. So me I'm too. glad they're doing a sole purpose. Yeah. I like volume. Yeah. I do want to answer your original question too about the Warcastle because it's say, really cool. Back to you guys. So the Warcastle IPA is um, so that was the one beer that we didn't have named out of the year round. So I was basically digging around on the historical museum's website and trying to find something cool. And so Worcester is obviously named after Worcester, England. Um, and there's some crazy stuff about people like trying to who hated the king and like something because that was the Battle of Worcester, and so they named it after that because they were because Oliver Cromwell like beat the king. But anyway. The uh, the um, etymological roots of Worcester, England, is War Castle. That's so cool. From the old English, I did not know that. Yeah, it's so, I didn't either. It's so cool. So I was like, yeah, that's our beer name. And uh, I really wanted to keep the dash and the all lowercase, but I was told that nobody else likes dashes. So I love dashes. Yeah, thank you. See, we're best friends. Dashes, now. semicolons. <laughs> exactly. I own dashes. I, I, I overuse M dashes like. 
nobody's yeah, business. My like grad school <laughs> applications. I my friend was like, no, there's like 50 dashes in here. You need to take. I've gotten a lot better about it. I try to keep it to like one per paragraph now <laughs> if I'm writing. I'm like, I can't use an M dash in the next sentence. M dashes yeah. are, are great. It, it's hyphens that I think are just like. Yes, it's, yeah, I like an M dash a lot. Hyphens, yeah. no, I, but hyphen yeah. can be nerd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of coffee did you use for your Blackstone stuff? So there's uh, no coffee in the in the set. Wow! Wow! Just like coffee. Yeah, no, no, it's just, yeah, no, it's just um. Oh yeah! Explain. Explain. So start. So um, the I, I did. We will this, do so, coffee beers in the future. Just as a yes, I've got, yeah. I've got a bunch planned. Yeah, the no, this is a uh, uh, English malts, but the uh, uh, chief one, the one that's most expensive, is a black uh, uh, barley. It's roasted barley. So they roast the barley the way that you would, not exactly the same, but like roughly similar to roasting coffee. And it's like roasty, toasty. Yeah, so you get similar notes. And because we have nitro cold brew on stout, uh, on draft, and the stout is on nitro, you can like actually mix the two together. So we're going to do that as an option where you can do like a black and black. And then actually the other night we were just playing around a little bit and we realized the golden actually goes really well with some of the nitro coffee too. So doing like a black and gold thing. Wow. Is also really tasty. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a uh, uh, Kevin just got a little. Uh, I'm a bored uh, or, or curious, but <laughs> yeah. I just put a splash of the nitro cold brew. I like gold, that. Yeah, they, I'm like, wow, this works super well. Yeah, it's really nice. They did that yeah. once for my, my our friend Joy Flanagan at yeah. the X Locale. They have oh, that. Nice. They had a similar setup. Yeah, and she was like. Oh, can you do that? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. We should we should just do like a flat like beer and coffee like mixer glass, and people can pick which co- beer they want to mix with their coffee. That's a good idea because that's, that's a huge push right now. There's been a lot of people adding coffee to like Hellas uh, lagers. Like Jack Jack Sabby did a, a tap only of a they would take like ten barrels of the house lager, age it on coffee, and then serve that in the uh, tap room. That was super super good. Acoustic Java does those. They do barrel-aged beans, too. Which yeah, be, that's another yeah, thing so where, that like, would be coffee. A cool thing. And Cascara, like, we were talking to him about doing, like, a Cascara, which is Cascara is, like, the basically the coffee cherry. Um, so, like, doing, like, beers with that as well is really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. They, uh, they, they, they dry it, and it's used a lot as, like, like a uh, tea. Like, it's, it's not technically like, tea because it's not the tea plant, but it's, but it's like, an infusion. As soon as I, I try, he, he had, like, a, a jar of it. Like, David Acoustic Java is, like, he was talking <laughs> yes. about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, David, 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 Well, tell us about your coffee program, too. Yes. So you're using you acoustic Java coffee right now. So, yeah, so we're doing acoustic Java, and then we're also doing atomic coffee, which is another uh, family roastery out of Beverly. We wanted to do a multi-roaster just because we felt, which basically means that we're not just, like, one outlet for one roastery. We felt that that made sense for the craft beer world. Like, people are used to, like, okay, this is from here, and this is from here, and it gives us a little bit more flexibility, especially once we get into doing espresso, where we can be like, okay, we're going to use this for, our espresso for a little while and this for our nitro and so and then atomic is we wanted something that not everybody in Worcester already had so we we knew we wanted to use acoustic java we love those guys um we love their coffee but we also wanted to bring something to Worcester that was a little bit different because we love what's the i can never remember the name of them the roastery in north bro Armino, which is which is what Crest yeah. has, so that's what we were like. Yeah. We should do those too, but we we're like, but Acoustic Java is already like at Birch Street, and they have their thing. I don't want to also just be like, 
things that you can just get at every yeah, other place in Worcester. It's still local. It is, yeah. And those guys are really great and they're expanding their their cold brew program. So we wanted to have two different options and be able to kind of go back and forth and just be able to do things because every grocery does things a little bit differently anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now we're starting out with um, basically hot drip coffee, hot pour overs, which is basically just a handmade single cup of coffee and that's what at a time. For us this yep, morning. Yep. So they take a little bit longer, but it's um it's a great thing to like in the afternoon a lot of cafes. Like if you're going into a cafe at four o'clock and you want a hot coffee, they're Drip coffee may have been sitting a little longer because they're not doing as much turnover. So just having like a single cup made, which I that's what I make at home too. Like we don't have a coffee machine at home, so I just make pour overs. And then we're going to do uh, coffee on draft. So we'll have a nitro cold brew, a nitro tea, iced tea. So um, starting with acoustic I've never java. Had that. Acoustic java has an Earl Grey on nitro. That's so good that we're going to get that like from them. Is it just like super silky? Yeah, it's amazing. It's so it's tasty. And then the crazy thing that you told me about, I was the writing. Soda, is that what you're? Yeah. Yes. What is this? So, so I was writing an article about coffee trends, yeah. and I reached out to Dave, and he told me about bird friendly coffees, and I reached out to you, and you told me about carbonated coffees. And you I said, what? I have so much to learn. Yeah. yeah. So, Wait, what's the bird-friendly <laughs> I guess that a lot of birds are compromised in the harvesting of coffee beans, especially in South America. Anyway, That's tell me, yeah. what is the benefit so, of carbonated coffee? I, well, I mean, I guess the benefit is uh, that actually the carbonation does make you absorb the caffeine faster. So I guess you could say that's a benefit. So it's like the opposite of like a bulletproof. Yes. Yeah, I had butter in my coffee yeah. the other day. I do that too. My mom got super into that, so or I started. If you want it to be elongated, yeah. this is more it's like like, like a shot the, to the system. Yeah, it's interesting. But I didn't know that it like wasn't a thing because I also only really started drinking coffee like two years ago when we decided to do a cafe, and I was like, it would be stupid for me to not drink coffee. So. I, I don't know as much about coffee as a lot of the other guys, but I did like a deep dive on it. But yeah, so we were, the Craft Brewers Conference this year was in uh, Nashville. So a bunch of us went down to Nashville for that. And we kept encountering uh, coffee soda. And I thought it would be just like a coffee flavored soda. Yeah. And then I had it and it's literally just carbonated coffee. And I was, this is awesome. And then I had it at Forge in Somerville. I was, we were going to a party and we were there early. So we were doing a bunch of work and I had way too much coffee because it was so good. I can't even imagine it's what it's like. Yeah. And they did it with like, it was vanilla and okay. like orange. Right. So it, it has flavor. Yeah. So okay. a little bit. So I'm so, just thinking of like black coffee, like seltzer. Well, which is not good. No, because it our, gross. our draft guys have done uh, modern draft, which is amazing. Shout out to them. They did our whole draft system and hooked up our coffee. And they're super confused by it because they were like, we've seen people try to carbonate coffee and it doesn't taste good. So you have to add simple syrup, but then it's like way too sweet. Right. So. I read so many articles with the guy. Apparently, it was invented in Nashville. Uh, this cafe that we went to, Crema, invented it. And then it spread to a few other places in Nashville. And they, like, will also can it now and sell it. And it's, like, a thing in the South. So, apparently, we went to the OG coffee soda place. And then I just assumed it was a normal thing. But um, citric acid is apparently the secret. So, we won't have it on next weekend because I bought a soda stream. And I'm going to, like, small batch it and, like, do a bunch of experimenting and develop recipes. Um, but we'll take a little bit of time. Acid yeah. is like what I would find in lemon juice. Yeah. yeah. So you have to have basically coffee, carbon dioxide, simple syrup, so sugar, basically sugar water, and a citric acid, which helps kind of balance everything and put it together. So we got to figure out exactly the right balance. Um, and I emailed a couple places trying to get their secrets, and I didn't hear back. So we're gonna have to definitely do it ourselves and figure it out. Oh, I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we. And again, the caffeine absorbing faster thing. Like we're gonna definitely need some samplers because we can't drink it all ourselves. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's so interesting to hear about stuff now after I watched Sami Nasrat on sulfate acid heat, where like mm-hmm. now I can like, I have like reference points for things. And I'm like, yes, the acid is so important. Right. It's yeah. so important. I did a cooking class yeah. at Cambridge Culinary a while ago and acid is so important. Yes. Yes. It's everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, when we come back, we're going to switch gears a little bit on this podcast. We really like to talk about professional culture, local culture. Ooh. We've touched on both and pop culture so i want to talk fire festival documentaries yes. and i also want to hear about that was what chris you were pratt. Bring up. yeah chris pratt yeah <laughs> all right we'll be right back mass foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person when asking yourself where to eat tonight turn to massfoodies.com to see what's happening in the massachusetts food scene that's massfoodies.com I'm Sarah Connell. I'm Ali O'Connor. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. So I want to talk pop culture right now. Specifically, I spent a lot of time this weekend (laughs) watching both Fire Festival documentaries. Oh, you did watch both. I did. Which one was better? Well, I think the Hulu one is not only more uh, astutely produced, but also more honest. The the Netflix one was produced by Jerry Media, who was the PR arm for the festival. Really? They make themselves look pretty good. It's a lot of them trying to be like, we weren't part of the fraud. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was like more drama, drama, dramatized, dramatized. No. No. And to oh, make so Billy McFarland is the villain in all of this. He's yeah. this young entrepreneur that had this credit card company that was like defrauded. And then he started this fire yes. festival, which obviously fell apart and just snookered all these people. And the scariest part is to hear him. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. And he Obviously. continues to start more and more scams. Well, he clearly didn't go. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> yep. He's there during well, yeah. it, but he's like standing up but on a not, picnic table, right. it's inebriated, yeah. like trying to answer questions. Thinking that it's like, we're here. And this, like, this is so much yeah, fun. He really did honestly think that it was all going to come together. And that's the scariest part. Just, but Hulu has an interview with him and the Netflix one doesn't. To be okay. clear, also, he was paid an undisclosed amount yeah. to appear in the Hulu web. Interesting. So the Hulu people say it was not $250,000, yeah. but he claims he was paid $250,000. And the Netflix producers did say, we refused to, to give like perpetuate yes. this problem yeah. and give him more money. So and it's, it is interesting because I do think that having an interview with him does make for a better... It does. It's almost, the, what are yeah. the ethical... Yeah. I don't know. I bet that it's somewhere in between. Yeah zero and two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars because i think he is a liar i think he's a pathological liar i yeah. don't think they paid him that much yeah right well and he's in so much debt at this point that what's another right. drop in the bucket right yeah it's yeah. like just gets him slightly out of debt except right. that every time he gets just a little bit of money he turns it into mm. more and more right. fraud yeah. so. which i mean i guess like if he isn't that much debt like that money if hopefully it's going to paying off the people who he actually owes money so it's like okay these vendors are owed whatever or getting people's money back. Yep. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw Ja Rule on Twitter. Did He's you see so his tweet? Defensive. No, I don't know how to use So he Twitter. did a tweet. So he, Ja Rule <laughs> has been um, dunked on constantly basically for the last 24 hours because yesterday, after everyone's been watching this, he did a tweet that says, I too was hustled, scam, bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray oh. with three exclamation and points. And led wrong, didn't No. I saw that. I did hear about that. I didn't realize that was related to but, that. 
So he's in on all of this documentary yeah. footage. The, he's like partying with people them. Making he fun was of him, not bamboozled. Yeah. He seems to know exactly what's going yes. on. Well, someone, and then someone replied to him, don't worry, not once during that entire time did I think you knew what you were doing. <laughs> like, as in, like, you know, like, like, I don't think you were, you got, you got tricked. Yeah. But, I do but not you do think, look like an idiot. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then the other thing that went viral is that Gillette commercial about yes. toxic masculinity. Yes. Did you see it as the well, only man in the room? As the only man in the room, yes, I, I did yeah. see it. Were you offended? Was I offended? Absolutely not. <laughs> Me either. And I was no, so it was struck. good. Yeah. No, right. was, I mean, the message, the, the message is don't be is, a is jerk. <laughs> no, well, uh, yeah. yeah. The, 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 message is, yeah the, the message is great. It is what I love about it. It finally gives a lot of like visual uh, 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 clarity of what the expectations should right. be and what what they kind of are. There's I do think it's moment. weird that it was an advertisement for a company that sells pink razors to talk to women for more money. So <laughs> that's a good criticism. Yeah, right it's, it's it is. Gr- yeah, that, that, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. They're, 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 most of the criticisms about Gillette, which are just people getting mad about being male enough to, to, to you tell men what to do. Yeah, exactly. Right. All, all, all that crap. Even though the, the message is literally just like, "Hey guys, have the balls to do the, the, the right thing." Right. So it's not like it, it shouldn't be offensive to, to, to men because it, it's. There is a moment in the commercial where there's a man at the head of the boardroom and it's all men and there's a woman Mm -hmm. trying to volunteer her Mm -hmm. thoughts and Mm -hmm. he kind of pats her on the shoulder like, oh, honey. Oh, what she she Uh, was trying to say. And I related so deeply to that moment. And so that for me was the most important part of the commercial. We have a friend who works with a lot of men in meeting government type of situations. And she literally sent me a text the other day saying... We got to the meeting and I sat off to the side because there wasn't a place for me at the table, like a seat at well, the table. That was, we talked about Cheryl Sandberg recently, uh, maybe Amy Peterson yes. and Stephanie Ramey, but mm. her book, Lean In, talks about the specific experiment where they set up a boardroom scenario and they stick interns in the room. And there's uh, two seats at the table that are empty. And then there's a little like coffee table off to the side where mm-hmm. people could sit in the back if they were to take notes or something. And they sent male interns in and they sat at the empty seats yep. at the boardroom mm-hmm. table and they sent female interns in and they sat at that little table in the back to take the notes. Jesus and she said, we need to sit down at the table, like quite literally just pull up a chair, you know? Yeah. So my last pop culture item is uh, Chris Pratt's new engagement to Catherine Schwarzenegger. I thought he was with Anna Ferris of the Schwarzeneggers. Oh, you aren't kidding me. They, they, they broke know up. That. Yeah, they broke up like three years ago. <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was like a huge moment yeah. because everybody was like, "Oh my god!" Like I remember logging onto like Facebook and everyone was so upset that they broke up. Yeah, oh, no, but they seemed pretty so like cool. Like yeah, there was he... pictures about the two, like the two of them with their new. Like, I think at Halloween or something, like, going trick-or-treating together. It was Chris Pratt, Anna Ferris, and then their new significant others, and, like, Jack all going trick-or-treating Yeah, Jack is their son, for people who don't know that. Because she commented on the photo Anna Ferris wrote, I'm so happy for you both, congratulations. It seems like, I get the sense, and this is, like, me, this is, like, me projecting, but, like, he got all these big parts and then he got like really ripped and stuff and then that's what happens he's like okay like I heard what I read and again projecting but I heard that she like basically like he wanted to like have more kids and have a bigger family and she was like no I don't I don't I like I'm happy at like where I am right now a crazy Jesus guy he is so that he's I don't yes I don't find he is he's very very Jesus-y he got like yelled at about something he posted like a cross that like Easter his family yeah no people are like like, a little obnoxious I mean he's not like 
very preachy, right, like no. telling other like, people. Oh, and, yeah, he's very live and let live and just like, this is me. I'm like, I'm Jesus-y. Well, and, but then you see videos of like, I love contrasting that with like outtakes from Parks and Rec where he's just ridiculous. making like ridiculous yeah. jokes about stuff. And I'm like, I mean, he seems cool. So whatever. Right. Oh, speaking of Jesus, there's a new <laughs> Netflix series that came out this week by Killer Mike. It's called Trigger, yeah, Warning. Trigger Warning. It was terrific. I I'm heard only like all. four episodes in. It was great. He, yeah, he talks about Jesus as a white man and decides he's going to start his own religion based on just getting more sleep. And like, <laughs> it was Isn't really- that what Chris Pratt is doing? He just announced that he's doing like a diet that's based on the Bible. Oh God. Because he's no like, idea. he's, he's like Andy, he's Parks and Rec. He's like, somebody took a picture recently of him on like vacation and oh, was and like, fat like Chris Andy. Pratt is, is fat back. Again? Fat Pratt is back. Yeah. Ooh. And so then like a week later, he's like, well, announced that he's doing a, a Bible diet or something. <laughs> he used to be higher ranked in my ranking of the Chris's. When yeah. He was Andy and now yeah. he's four. He's a, he's solidly well, last. Who's number one? Evans. Oh, see, Evans would be number Easy. four. I like Chris Pine. I like, I like Pine, too. Pine, see, uh, Pine and Hemsworth are constantly jockeying for second and third mm, place in gotcha. but Hemsworth has been pretty solidly number two since Ghostbusters because oh, okay, yeah. I haven't seen Ghostbusters. funniest. Yet. What do you think, hon? Thing um, in that movie. And also because of Thor Ragnarok. Me, yeah. Ragnarok elevated the yeah, whole yeah, entire Thor. Ragnarok, Ragnarok would make him a, a two. Like Chris Pratt still, still still number one because he's still the, the, the funniest one. He's still Andy to me. Yeah. yeah. I find him a little douchey. I just really oh, like Chris I, Pine and Wonder Woman. In, in, in Wonder Woman. Uh, Guardians 1 was like, is uh, that might be my favorite Marvel yeah. movie. Yeah. That, that came out of it's nowhere. Great. That was like the funniest like premise of all time. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of a great example of why Marvel is doing what they're doing so mm-hmm. well and kind of how DC is Getting trying to do the same thing. And innovative awesome directors <laughs> who are not yeah. just... Just why Wonder Woman was the de- best only like really good DC. I'm gonna steal an observation yeah. that a friend of mine made, which is like when Guardians One and Batman vs. Superman were coming out at roughly the same time. Mm-hmm. It was like I'm literally more excited for a raccoon, the movie where a yes. raccoon by the tree, than I am where the movie where Batman literally fights uh, uh, Batman Superman. Batman vs. Superman just Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice Extended Edition is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I didn't watch it. I was like, I'm not going to waste my time with Don't this. do it. It yeah. will only make you angry. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the only DC movie I think we've seen is, is Wonder Woman. Yeah. And I imagine that's why Chris Pine's hot. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely why. I loved Chris Pine. Chris Pine, Wonder for me, his, his recent thing that has put him up there was um, he played the dad in A Wrinkle in Time. Oh and I yeah, loved and I haven't him seen that. that yet. It was beautiful. I <laughs> loved that book when I was in like fourth grade, and I, I yeah. just, I haven't. We go to the movies like twice a year, so I yep. need yep. so much to follow. It up was on. very beautiful. Would you rather have oh, yeah. someone finance your trip to Fire Festival <laughs> and have like a wacky story to tell for the rest yeah. of your life, or avoid the whole thing entirely and never go? Like you have the opportunity to go, someone else is going to pay for it. Well, but this we oh. wouldn't know what what was right. going to happen, right? What are we so into? I'm going to tell you, you're walking into it. You know, it's gonna be like, crazy. It's gonna be a disaster. A little fire suspect. fraud account. So, so yes, then I would go because if I Twitter knew, account. I would pack like a backpack of snacks paying, and stuff. Right. Somebody else is paying. I'm basically going as press with a scoop yeah. that I know this is gonna be a disaster. Definitely. So I would come prepared Same. with snacks and like a like sleeping bag. Citizen journalism. Yeah, exactly. And then just get like go viral. It's hard for me to like get out of my own uh, headspace right now. So like I'm way too 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 uh, busy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have a Oh, time to go to fire festival a year I've ago. Got, I've, Fair. I've, I've got, I'm, I'm thinking all the stuff I have to do, like just one, this, this afternoon. Just like, I, I, can't, I don't have time for that. I've, I've got fermentations to check. I got to go pick up mugs. 
She's got to go pick up mine. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I can't, I can't be no, 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 no. You're fine. Uh, so one of the things that was portrayed in the documentary in both of them mm. were these cheese sandwiches, and then also <laughs> the these like salad. these pigs that were like wild on the island. And at was first, that supposed to they, be like they were like funny and exotic, but then they start chasing after oh, supermodels and like snatching yeah. their oh. cheese sandwiches. Um, oh, the right. pigs! I thought people were like chasing after the pigs to, no, like, because no, they were hungry and they like were like Survivor. Yeah. So, would you rather eat a plain cheese sandwich every meal for three days, or be chased by a wild pig for ten minutes before finally finding safety? Oh, the cheese sandwich. Yeah, no, could, cheese. Could, no, 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 no. I would take the pig. I'd want to befriend the pig. <laughs> yeah. So, it's a wild pig. It's like I would give, I would, like, if there were, like, I would give the pig my first. sandwich and then, like, hang. Wait, three, ten minutes. Why very bad. Pig, yeah, ten minutes. Like, I can outrun a pig, I think. I think I don't know. These I models look terrified. Yeah, because they're models. <laughs> I'm slow and I have. We're tough. And I have poor endurance. Like, I can't sprint, <laughs> and I also, like, I don't have good endurance. Like, I don't know if I would make it, honestly. I think you're underestimating Can pigs how, swim? Yeah. Like, adrenaline? These pigs can't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you're underestimating how, like, mean wild pigs this are. This is, like, a right. weird like, I think Lord of the, the Flies the situation. There were a lot of Lord of the That's Flies. That's what it memes. was. Yeah. yeah. Okay, last one. Sense. Would you rather be caught in a multi-level marketing scheme or have someone steal your credit card information to buy a bouncy house? A credit card information because yeah, I'll call my credit card company yeah. and say that's a fraudulent charge. If mm-hmm. I get into yeah, a, I don't want to get into like a multi-level marketing scheme yeah. where I'm like trapped selling essential oils. <laughs> like Linda Belcher recently was on Moss Burger. Oh, no. <laughs> um, that, because that's like, because then you like, your money's just gone and like you yeah. can't, you have recourse. Yeah, yeah right? you just call yeah. Capital One and you go, hey, this yeah. wasn't me. Yeah. They were fun, your money. Yeah, though, no, that, that's, that's so, so weird. I, I have like a kind of a deep loathing for multi-level marketing. Oh, yeah. Because they're, they're all just scams. Right? And like they're openly kind of scams and everyone knows that they're scams. But it always takes you like 10 risk. minutes to figure it out because it's like a new one. Yeah. And yes. you're like, wait a minute. What's this? Yeah. 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 Like, how do people not see through like this mm. obvious bullshit? Right. Part of it <laughs> We've for had me, friends try and get Yeah. Into Part of it for me yes. would also be like my reputation. Like I don't want people to right. be like, oh, absolutely. is she doing that now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> Well, our final item on the agenda it's is Rosie. the Rosie Report. What Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell been up Hashtag to? Rosie, come on, pop it. We want Rosie on our show. You I know I've listened. I, yeah, I know. So, I have, I'm not caught up, so I don't yeah. know what the latest details are. A lot of retweets this week, but a couple things. One of the things is that she was very excited to see that the news of her being a grandma was like made it to the Today Show. She was like, <laughs> Nana's on TV. Um, Smilf is coming back right now. Mm-hmm. So she's been posting a lot of the reviews. Wait, is she, kind of is she on Smilf? Yeah, she yeah. plays the, the I've just seen the controversy the stuff that's going on. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Is, yes. But um, another thing is that I didn't know that she's into UFC. So really? she was watching the UFC fight the other night, and she, like, posted a picture of her and her daughter, Dakota. And she also replied to someone who was like, where's Joe Rogan, who's the, who yeah. usually does oh, the commentary. Yeah. And apparently she was like, yeah, where's Joe, which I thought was funny. Is UFC the thing that Max did? We have a friend who's like a social media influencer in Ooh. like wrestling, like like uh, well wrestling or I don't I don't know I don't know anything because those it's are oh okay I don't know anything no, I don't either. Uh, uh, I'm also in a WWE. Okay, well we should you probably you might know uh, Curbside uh, Hero. Yeah. Do you know who Curbside Hero? Is? It sounds familiar. So he like he's had to recreate his account multiple times because like people get in fights with him about stuff, but like he's literally like a social media and he's That's like the cool. person who is like ten years older than us and like <laughs> hanging out with us and like yeah. like when we were 20 or whatever and sleeping on our couch and now he's like a social media influencer and we're like how did this happen my fiance asked his best man to be his best man 
through Brett the Hitman heart. Yeah, you know how you can Ooh. do that? It's like a cameo is like, a, it's like a pay a certain amount of money. Like you pay to be like celebrity to say whatever to like you want. a video, yeah. <laughs> so there's Hart. Brett Hart being like, uh, uh, John, will you be his best man? He like said a bunch of inside jokes that like he didn't understand. It was funny. It is very <laughs> cool. It was very cool. All right, last question of mine. What's going on with Smilf? That's a controversy. Oh, she got so caught. The, the Frankie the, Shaw, yeah. who is the showrunner slash star slash whatever, yeah. who had never. And she's from like somewhere around Boston. Yeah. 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 She, so she basically, she conceptualized the show. She's the main, she's the writer. She's yeah. now the showrunner, which means like she is the executive yeah, producer. She's in charge. She's a producer. Um, right. So she's never done that before. Mm-hmm. And so she does all this other stuff where she, she writes and acts, but she's never been in charge of a set and been in charge of a show. And so she basically got called out for some. Somebody like filed a complaint about like workplace, like yeah. like not like it being basically like a difficult like, workplace. Yes. Just as, like I think like something about hours. Or, like I basically right. Right. There was just like some but, some labor issues yeah. that she ran into and then came back and was like, I am aware of all this and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do better. I, right. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to do it, but I'm glad that people brought it up too. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that it was a workplace where people. And were she like, did kind of handle it in a way that she was just she like, tried. like we were talking about, like saying, yeah. like you know, my bad, I'm gonna do better, and then yeah. just kind yeah. of see what happens going forward. So right, yeah, but yeah, she got into a little bit of a little hot water, like yeah. with her. It was sort of an internal thing. It wasn't yeah. like, and then like it just got picked up in the press, and then it was like, this is the thing that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about it. It's yeah. not something yeah. that nothing crazy. About. Well, thank you both for all of your hard work in our beautiful city of Worcester. Yes. And we, so I am excited. right next door. Like, yeah, I, I, I live right <laughs> I remember, next door. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I think she's walking down the street yeah. right now. It's awesome. <laughs> so you'll see me frequently. Yay. Awesome. Yes. Thank you guys so much for coming yes. out. Yeah, I've been yeah. listening since your first episode, so I'm excited to be oh, home. Well, thank you so much it. for uh, 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 having us. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Well, we'll keep tabs on you both. Awesome. Yeah. I've been Molly. And I've been Sarah. And you've been listening to Pop It. Mm-hmm.